Thank you for tuning in to listen to this sermon from the Ville Church. To find out more about us and our weekly scheduled services, please visit theville.church. You want to follow in the text, we're going to be inside of 1 John 4, 7. 4, 7 through 12 is where we're going to start off. And um, try to set this up the way God has given it to me. All right. So first and foremost, right off the bat, I want to tell you this about love thy neighbor. Today, we're going to be talking about the church, your neighbor in church. All right? I want everybody to reach over to your neighbor and just give him a fist bump. You even got to look at him. Just hit him, just hit him from the side, all right? If you're an introvert, don't even look. Just turn your face and just twe- tweak your body like that. Boom. They'll think it's cool. They'll be like, it's that guy. Or, you know what I'm saying? So it's going to be about loving your neighbor. God has been really, really on my heart lately about what this actually looks like, how, imp- how important it is specifically for this church because of some of the dynamics, context, um, where we're at, race, class, all the different things that play out in this room. I'm aware of how so many things just get misconfused and people get hurt, and it's grievous to see sometimes. Um, But God, in his holy word, tells us how we are supposed to come together and love each other in a way that's beautiful and that gives them glory. You know what I'm saying? And so we're going to get into the word, right? Who knows who Tina Turner is? Not Tina, not Tina, who we love in the church, but Tina Turner from back in the day. What's her most famous song? What's love got to do with it? That's what Tina used to say. Every, it has everything to do with it, right? And I'm going to show you in the word today, all right? This is important, man. It's important because I see people who theologically blow my mind in our so loveless. Y'all ever experienced that? Right? I see people who actually can break down the gospel of grace so beautifully and manage to turn it into law somehow because it lacks love. You get where I'm coming from? And I see people who are love, 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 love will lay it all on the line but somehow seem to leave Jesus behind in their love for the Father. So it's pivotal. It's so pivotal. Let's get into scripture. God is love. 1 John 4, 7 says this. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world, so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be propitiation for our sins. And then verse 11 says this. It says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. All right? So let's recap that real quick. For God, for the love, for, for, so it's saying to us or whatever that love is of God, right? It only comes from him, not from our gut, not from our opinions, not from how we feel it should be, but it actually comes directly from God. So the statement there is that if you ain't seeing God, which you can't see God unless you see the Son, the Word tells us if you've seen the Son, then you've seen the Father, but if you say you've seen the Father and you haven't seen, then you, and you haven't seen the Son, then you ain't seen it at all. Y'all get where I'm coming from? So you got to see the son and see the father, and love comes straight from the father. So it's actually displayed through the work of the son to us. 
And as we talk more, I'm going to get there. I just want to give you all these things because I'm just going to throw a lot of stuff on your table, and I'm going to pray that God just brings it together for you, and I'm going to do the best I can with it as well, all right? But it comes from the Father. Not, it's not up to man to articulate what love is. It's always going to fall short and always be pitiful, right? And so it's telling us, it says your salvation is so it's directly connected to love. It says whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Or in verse 8, it says it like this, anyone who does not love does not know God. You get where I'm coming from? Any, that's a big statement. I think we usually gloss about, you know, when we, we hear love all the time, whatever, just thrown out, and it's manufactured and put on cards and everything else. We just passed Valentine's Day with Jeremy Shirky's Valentine's, all right? We just passed Valentine's Day, all right? And so we just all did our whole thing and our love thing and everything else and busted out the roses and everything else. And every, but, but a lot of us don't even know what love is, so we slide by this in the scriptures so nonchalantly because it's become this kind of cliche thing. But it's nothing to play with, all right? It's nothing to play with. He's actually saying anyone who does not love does not know God. It's one of the markers in the scripture of how, whether you know God or not. Whether you've been born of God is by how you love. It's one of the things that you can walk up on somebody, look at how they move character-wise, and be like, homie, either you don't know me, you ain't been with them lately, or something's up, because that is not the love of God. This is a big conversation. Amen. Do you all get where I'm coming from? I don't know about you, but when I started going to this text, it made me freeze for a minute like, I don't ponder this and give this the weight that it actually deserves. I don't. In my mind, I do, but I'm usually articulating it myself, and I'm not sticking close to what it says, right? Like sometimes I flip out and lose it on my son, and I thought I loved him in the moment. But when I come and look over at this right here, I'm like, homie, it's looking real pitiful. You ain't loving him like you're supposed to. And, 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 it, and it makes it very clear for you. You'll see it in the next part of the text we go into, right? Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Your love is directly connected to the cross. If God so loved us, we ought, we ought to love one another. The idea is there, is this right here. When it says, when, if God so loved us, it's not talking about this romantic thing in the air. It's talking about an actual event that took place. It's talking about Jesus being brutally ripped to shreds on a cross for our sins, right? So the scenario is this right here. We are sinners, offensive to a holy God. Do the wrath that God has for us. But he takes his wrath and he puts it on Jesus on the cross. This is how he displays his love. It's, 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 it's in a forgiveness and loving of people who don't deserve it. And that statement is very important about the love that he's going to tell us to walk in. So he gives mercy and grace to us. He, he lays the wrath we deserve on his son, and he gives mercy and grace to us. We usually stop right there and we just celebrate. But here's the other thing. Not only does he give us mercy and grace, we now find favor with him. He actually favors you. That's why all that condemnation the devil's always trying to put on you when you're walking and you're stumbling and you're tripping, it's a bunch of malarkey. I don't even say that. One of my white friends said it, and I can't stop saying it. I'm sorry. All right? For the black people, it's a bunch of junk. All right? All right? All right? 
because now he favors us. And he's saying, beloved, if God so loved us, in other words, if you can see what he has done on this cross, man, you got to go out here and lavish it on people. Shouldn't, isn't it proper that we would, when such, a, such, a, such a, an, offense, uh, an offense has been wiped away, such a debt has been cleared, right? So verse 12 says this right here. It says, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So people haven't seen God, but they can see us. They can see how we function and relate, right? They can see if we actually know God by how we actually treat each other, right? This love thing is talking about this love affair we have vertically and then how it looks horizontally, right? And it's saying that people who are blind and don't know him, they can't see him vertically, but horizontally they can see us and see him revealed, and it points directly up to him. Y'all getting how this process works? It sounds like it's easy as ABC, but it, you have to actually believe that he's king of kings and lord of lords and be willing to follow what he actually says and says is love versus what we just feel is love. You get where I'm coming from? It's important. I'm saying it like that because we often don't esteem the word and what it says. We really, really don't. 1 Corinthians 13. Starting at verse 1. Check this out. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging symbol. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Right? So let's check it, right? Because nobody in here speaks in the tongues of men and angels, has prophetic powers, has all prophetic powers, understands all mysteries and all knowledge, right? Or has all faith and he can even remove mountains. Or is even willing to give away all he have or deliver up their body to get burned. But maybe you do. But here's what the statement is saying. If you did, you still gain nothing and still are nothing without love. Do you, are you starting to get how important love is? Are you, still, are you still starting to get how pivotal it is to the believer and how important it is before God for what we output as his children? Are y'all with me? Somebody say amen. amen. So in verse 4, he starts talking about this love. He gives us a, a clearer picture of what it is, right? He says, love is patient. And kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. I don't know about you, but I hear that. It's such a beautiful thing. But I'm just going through the list, just marking it all the stuff I stumble over. I'm like, man. I'm, I'm like, man, arrogant, rude, irritable as I don't know what. That's the sweet word saying irritable. They should have just said freaking just jerk. You're just a jerk all the time. All right? Lord, help me. But thank God he will help me. 
it's okay for us to walk in the light with this stuff and say that we're tripping over. I know we're tripping over because I can look at the condition of just the American church and I know we're missing the mark, right? Let's look at verse 4 again. It says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant, right? The reformer Martin Luther said this. He said, you Christians are powerful. Not that you make the weak weaker by oppression, but that you make them powerful by raising them up and defending them. You are wise, not in order to laugh at the foolish and thereby make them more foolish, but that you may undertake to teach them as you yourself will wish to be taught. You are righteous that you may vindicate and pardon the unrighteous, not that you may, not that you may only condemn, disparage, judge, and punish. Right? It doesn't envy and it doesn't boast. It doesn't envy and it doesn't boast. The output is different. When this love pours out, it doesn't make fun of the foolish. I know I'm so sick of the church looking at everybody and just pointing and just throwing his finger at everybody and pointing out how broken people are as if we saved ourselves. Like we actually have the power to take people who are lost in utter foolishness and see them redeemed by walking them towards the cross and the glory of God. You get where I'm coming from? It's not an option whether we pick up that power or not. It's actually what we're called to as believers, right? And Tina Turner's song, when she says, what does love got to do with it? The next part, it says, y'all know what the next part is? Sing. Huh? There you go. Y'all was jumping too far in the song. Y'all was on the remix. Y'all was on the remix with Michael Bolton. Y'all was on the other one. So who needs a heart when a heart could be broken, right? I get it because love is a contact sport. It's, it's a contact sport. And if you actually are going to walk in this thing that God has called for his children to walk into, then it gets real. It gets real. You don't have to be patient with people you don't know. Not really like that. You understand what I'm saying? If you're sitting in this room right now and you're sitting next to people, you can hide from everybody or whatever. You could come and get your word and you could dip on out. But if you start engaging with people in this room, you're going to see their sinfulness, their brokenness, all type of stuff. They're going to be hitting you up, asking you for rides and all that. But that's what the family of God is supposed to be doing for each other. That's how we exhibit the glory of God. Some of y'all got rides this morning, so y'all in your seat. It's all good. It's all good, brother. It's all good. Do you get where I'm coming from, though? I just want you to see and understand how the, the, where, where this actually goes. It's a contact sport. It's not arrogant or rude, all right? It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It's saying that we're in close proximity, and we're having to deal with each other, and we're stepping on each other's toes, but we're actually lavishing each other with mercy and grace because as the scripture said before, isn't that what we should do since we've been blessed with so much of it? I mean, it makes sense that we would give that away to people, right? It makes sense that we would wipe away people's debts that are this big when ours is unfathomable and the blood of Jesus Christ has wiped ours away. Y'all get where I'm coming from? This is something, this isn't a fairy tale. This is really what the scripture is saying, and it's what he's really called his people into, I feel like sometimes we, we, we just fall back into this carnal place where we believe what the world is saying, right? 
And we go, this is easy to do. Yeah, it does feel easy to do because you got flesh on your body. And your flesh always finds it easy to satisfy itself. You will fall short of it in your flesh, but this is where God calls us to lean into his power. I told you before, there ain't enough good in the world to make you to, take, to, to have somebody take this on. Unless they're being powered by the spirit of God. Right? This is a godly work that we need him inside of our hearts to do. All right? Our criticism of others are really nothing but a boasting, of, is nothing but us boasting about ourselves. Being that our righteousness is filthy rags and we have not saved ourselves or earned salvation, our criticizing and boasting is probably one of the most foolish things we can offer up as believers. All right, verse 8. Verse 8 says this, it says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three things. But the greatest of these is love, right? So what's being said in that scripture right here? If you could sum it up, saying that love is eternal. It's saying that, there's, that, that being able to prophesy or, or, to, or to speak in tongues or have a vast amount of knowledge, this is amazing stuff. But all of this stuff is actually going to pass away, but love is eternal. Therefore, it's worthy of the investment. Like it's, it's, it, it, it is a priority because it's an eternal work. Do you all get where I'm coming from? I just want to make a real big exclamation point about love before I go into the, to my next point. Um, I think in the past couple of weeks, and y'all just bear with me, and you have, have mercy on me if I say something that steps on your toes a bit, but I just want to be free to just say how I feel it, right? So I think more and more I'm realizing how much of a miracle the Ville Church is, like how much it is that something that... Um, that really only God could put together. Um, I say that because, number one, there's a lot of things that point to that. Number one, because of just the mere statistic. You look at the Protestant, the, um, Protestant church in America, and you have diversity at 12.5%. You look at the church as a whole, you have diversity at 2.5%. That's on an 80-20. That means the church is qualified as being diverse if they just hit 20% of other in the room, Right? and we still can only get to 2.5%, right? I have some friends, they go, Jay, like, man, why does this always have to be, like, you know, why you gotta always pull a, the race card? Bro, there's been like 15 million decks on the table. What are you talking about? <laughs> and for, and, and, and here's, here's one of the reasons why the conversation is so pivotal. Because you just heard me talk about how people haven't seen God, but they can see God in us and how we function, right? Most of, most of the time we talk about that just from an individual standpoint, but it says in our relationship how we love, God is being displayed, right? What do you think it looks like to the world when they can deal with race relations better than the church can? You think it looks like love to them? Just think about it now. 2.5% whole entire American church. Just think about it. So I know, I get it, because I have friends... You know, I've, I've learned to respect the narrative of my white brothers and sisters in the room. 
Like we get in conversations sometimes, and I thank God for them that we're able to have them. Even when we don't land on the same page, I'm glad to be with people who are brave enough to have real conversations. I believe that's what this word is telling us to do. I believe that w- that's what love looks like. It looks like we may not land on the same page, but I'm not going to run away from you. We're going to keep on working through it and let God continue to do what he's, because he's sovereign and he's amazing. And maybe one of his hearts are hard. I don't know what it is, but he's going to work through it and we're going to stick right here because he's called us to be here. So I respect that, right? I just seen a million people run away, but I've learned to respect people's different narratives, right? I've, because I understand some of my white brothers and sisters, they come from a narrative, and it'd be foolish for me to think they should land any other place than where they're at and have the opinions that they have. Do you get where I'm coming from? And then I would expect them that when they see a brother or sister who's had a narrative like this and an experience like this, why would you think they would have any other opinion? It's, it's foolish for us to, to think anything. And here's the thing. It doesn't mean I don't get utterly offended sometimes. It doesn't mean I don't get hurt sometimes. It doesn't mean I can't even sleep at night sometimes because my heart is so grieved. But I need brothers and sisters. I can call on the phone and say, hey, I am upset and I'm mad and they point me to Jesus, right? This is where I'm working with this right here. This is where I'm going. You can't be in a church like this and just sit back and kick your feet up and relax because you're going to end up being a part of the problem. Problem. Maturity is a necessity. It's a necessity in any church, but when you got a church that exists and mirrors that 2.5%, and if you want to take it a little bit deeper, go in that 2.5% and try to find a black pastor, with a diverse church. Now take that 2.5% down to like 2%. Do you get where I'm coming from? So it's crazy for us to think we, should, we can just kick back and everything work itself out. We're already inside of an anomaly. You get where I'm coming from? So what, what do we need to be aware about? What, is this, what did it just say about love? It says we're going to have to be a little bit more patient, right? We're going to have to be patient. We're going to have to esteem others in the room higher than ourselves. We're going to have to listen to people's stories and opinions about politics and find it insulting sometime and step to a place of maturity that says, I'm really not feeling that. And I might want to choke you. But I'm going to lean on the power of God right now because priority isn't about making you agree with me. Priority is about both of us walking hand in hand into the, to the, to the, to the king, right? That's, that's the priority. I'm just trying to have a big boy conversation with you because the church is losing playing games. It's losing playing games, right? You don't, you don't when, you, when, you, when you are in a minefield, when you're about to run, go through a minefield, you don't jog through that baby, right? You don't do it. You step very carefully and you shift and you stretch within an awareness of where you're at so you can make it through. This is going to take you to, this is going to cause you to grab people that you're not in agreement with and hold a hand and y'all go through. And look out, watch, watch your step right there. That's my mind right there. I just put that right there. Don't even step on that, brother. I'm having a bad day. Whatever the case may be, in mercy, in love, in grace, and you will get thrown off your pivot. But when it comes to leadership in here, when it comes to members in the church, yo, I don't want to go to somebody and say, yo, when my white brothers just offended me really bad. I don't want to hear them go, oh, yeah, I know how white people, you know how white people, I don't need that. I don't need that. That's not the gospel. That's not how we are going to make it, 
right? We're not going to make it massaging lies into each other, all right? We're not the world. We're we're not, that's not what God has called us to. He's called us to this higher thing that calls you to lay your life down on the line for your brother. Listen to this. No, we're going to keep on moving. I'm going to take you there. We're going to get there. You know, it's real because I was talking to a brother in the church this week. We went to lunch. There's a white brother in the church. And he said to me, he said, Jay, he said, bro, I got something that's been on my mind all week. He said, I saw this thing happen the other week in the church. And he said, and I can't shake it. I said, what happened? He said, I saw this interaction with some, with some, some white people in the church and a black dude in the church. And he said, I understood what was happening on both sides, but like there was this utter confusion. Like the black guy was trying to reach out to them. They thought it was too aggressive or something. And then they kind of was like, got offended. He read their offense wrong and it just went weird. It just went weird. And he was like, he was like, you know, but it meant something. He was like, man, it's been on my mind all week. And he said, Jay, he said, I realize people leave all the time for stuff like that. And he goes, that was a tiny thing. I can only imagine how much this is happening. How do you deal with this? We're dealing with it right now, with the scripture. Jesus already dealt with it. Do you get where I'm coming from? He already dealt with it. It's, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying, there's a lot of people in here. Next week, we're going to have our membership class. And there's a lot of people that are going to be thinking about whether or not they want to become members. I'm just letting you know. Think about it very, be sober about it when you think through it, because you're stepping into a war, a war. It's only 2.5% of churches like this in America because nobody wants to step up in it. So you need to know that you're called to walk in it. You need to know you're called to walk in it because it's hard and it hurts. And you're going to need your brother beside you to pick you up off the ground. And you're going to need your sister beside you to encourage you. It's just, it's just what it is. I'm not running from it. This is what God has called me to. And I love every single one of y'all with all my heart. All my heart. Even Daniel Mafu. I'm just messing with you, Daniel. I love you, brother. He's going to get on me later about that. But the world is a wicked, cruel, and it's an unfair place. And we have to be sober about that. And we have to be sober about the many things that that does to our hearts and how it plays inside of our circumstances and how it plays in our room relationally and how it's a formed opinions inside of us and how that stuff plays out and it ends up hurting each other sometimes. And we have to, we have to take the calling to be warriors and, 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 rep- and here, be used to showcase the glory of God, right? And I'm not just telling you some stuff to do to be good. This only happens from seeing Jesus on the cross, right? It only happens when we know that we have been saved by mercy and grace, right? James 1.9 says this. I'm going to just, let me jump real quick. It says, let the lowly brother boast in his, exalt, his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, right? We live in a world that massages a superiority complex into white people. And then it massages a minority complex into darker-skinned people. All right? Let's not play games about it. All right? Let the world play games outside with it. But let's not play it in the church. Both of them are alive from Satan. 
because it's not what God said our image is before him. So both of us are in sin on both levels. It's a distortion and it's a trick of the enemy on both sides. But James 1.9 brings the feel right. Whether it's class, whether it's race, whatever you want to play with it or whatever, the gospel brings us all to this place where we are broken in need of a holy savior. You get where I'm coming from? That's how he levels the field. Because a lot of times, you need to know that because a lot of times you're going to be in these situations and your feelings are going to be hurt and everything else. And you're going to go, I don't even know where to go to even have this conversation. Go right to the cross. It's the best conversation on it. And let it work on your heart, all right? Philippians 2. You know what? I want to play a video real quick. Y'all got that video ready? Play that video really fast. I want y'all to check this video out. Y'all lying and said y'all had the video ready, man. We in, we in church, y'all just gonna lie in front of everybody? All right, y'all need me to go back up there? All right, don't be prideful now. If you messed up, just walk in the light with it, all right? Y'all want to sing Tina Turner, What's Love Got to Do With It while we're here? While we're waiting? You don't want me to sing it. That whole love message will go right out the window. Y'all need a second? All right. All right, I'm going to keep on preaching. Y'all okay with that? All right, praise the Lord. Y'all throw me your hands up when y'all good to go, all right? All right, listen, y'all. I want to read um, Philippians 2, verse 1, all right? I'm going to run through that through verse uh, 10, if you'll have that. Philippians 2 says this. It says, so if there is any encouragement in Christ... Any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by coming, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and to the glory of God the Father. 
So Paul is talking to believers, and he is talking about, in humility, count others more significant to your, than yourselves. It says, let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others, right? In this part right here where it says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. It's yours in Christ Jesus. I want, I want to put light on this particular part of the scripture because when we talk about walking in this love that looks like people stepping on you and you still loving them, it sounds out of this world and it sounds unachievable. And it's because it actually is. It comes straight from the throne of God. And so when he says this, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, it's pointing us to where we actually get it from, right? And it's ours, but the problem is we actually, we hardly reach out to pick it up, all right? What we often do is we pass it for speculation. We pass it to assume evil of our brothers and sisters. We opt for slander. We opt for gossip or we shun each other with attitudes and we foster an atmosphere of hostility. You get where I'm coming from? This is one of the big, big problems with the American church and even with the fluidity we have amongst Christians. And I just want to put it there. I don't mean for this to be a condemning message, but man, I do want to call us as a church to take this as in the utmost seriousness. Because when I look at these numbers and I look at these statistics and I go, I get, I get it. I get it's like what my man was saying when he met with me for lunch. He's like, how in the world is this possible? The gospel, what the gospel does to the heart and heart of mankind. The type of gospel, you know, one of the things that blessed me the other week is when Jeremy preached, um, and he was talking about how we, we, uh, we, we plant and we water and God grows, right? God does the work. We're faithful in planting and we're faithful at watering. We're supposed to be faithful at love, and God produces a fruit out of that. But one thing in that scripture that Paul says, he's like, he said, yo, we're nothing. He, that's empowering for me because I'm the type of person that I want to box somebody if I feel like they're disrespecting me. But the word, the gospel actually gives you the identity of being a servant. You get where I'm coming from? It's something that we glory in to the glory of God. We've been made Royalty. The Bible calls this a royal priesthood when we come into the light. But instead of taking the crown on and walking around trying to shine on people, we actually lay our life down for people to see people. Because as we lay it down in relationship, his glory is revealed. You get where I'm coming from? I told you when I first came to God, I walked in the church, I saw people were loving each other, and it made me very uncomfortable. Because I was like, are they high? Are they on drugs? Why are they jumping all over church worshiping God or whatever? My man hit a two-step down the aisle. I was like, what are you doing, brother? But I was like jealous because I had never seen that before. And all I had on my table was misery and confusion. I saw the glory of God radiating off them. You understand what I'm saying? It's just a statement unless you get, see Jesus and you understand what he's done for us. We got this beautiful thing that if we're willing to take it, because it's in Christ, we can lavish people 
and we could see people meet Jesus, and we can enlarge our family inside of this body, and we can enlarge our family that's going to be in heaven with us. I want you to watch this video real quick. I hope they ain't lying back there, man. It's, you know. Talking about my You started crying, telling me this isn't you. A couple weeks later, guess you were singing a different tune. You took them pills for the last time, didn't you? They took you from us once, I guess they came back to finish you. Crying my eyes out in the studio is difficult. Music is the only place.
I'll just take it back a little bit, fellas. All right, the light show's not gonna go. All right, play it, play it, play it. Studio is difficult. Music is the only place that I can go to speak to you. It took everything inside of me not to scream at your funeral. Sitting in my chair, that person talking was pitiful. I wish you were here, mama, but every time I picture you, all I feel is pain. I hate the way I remember you. They found you on the floor. I could tell you felt hollow. Gave everything you had, plus your life to them pill bottles. You gave everything you had, plus your life to them pill bottles. Don't know if you hear me or not, but if you're still watching, why? Why would you leave us? Why would you leave us? How could you leave us? How could you leave us? Why would you leave us? All right, that's good, fellas. I think we got the point. Like how y'all threw the strobe lights on and stuff or whatever. And it's like when I yell at my kids and they start dancing so I won't get on them or whatever, but anyway. Um, you know what, so I'm not even 100% why I played that video, but let me just tell you this right here. I mean, I got a reason for it, but The, uh, I remember watching an interview with the kid who actually made that song, and this is really his story with his mother and everything, and he's a huge artist, and he travels all over the world now, and, uh, and he was just talking about the, uh, how he still cries every single day. Like, he's this star, and he's globetrotting and doing all these things, but he's like, it, it's like it happened yesterday, every single day. You get where I'm coming from? And he was talking about, he's like, man, he's like, I have so many problems with anger and pain and everything else. And um, I think the, one of the reasons I wanted you to hear that and understand that, because it just, it really touched me when I saw it. But like, man, that, that guy right there, I know people's story in this room. Sit, that dude is sitting all over this room right now. Sitting all over this room. I know people with stories even beyond that in this room right now. And so a lot of times we, we deal with people, we deal with their attitudes and everything else. And like I said earlier, we come up with a criticism for it, not knowing none of the story, not exercising patience or nothing that looks like the love of God that he's called us to walk in. Do y'all get where I'm coming from? Like this isn't supposed to be a place people come get destroyed at. It's a place where God's love is supposed to be lavished on people even if they're coming, kicking, and screaming, period. We all need it. We all have bad days. We are all broken. We all have our stories. But church is not meant for us to just sit in here and have relationships built off of flattery. We need to turn to each other and be like, yo, are you all right? What is your story? How can I pray for you? you do you need a ride? I can't do that much because I work too, but I'll swing and get you for church. You understand what I'm talking about? I know people in this church that have left because they have just gone to doctrines that are just anti-God and they just, Jesus is not real, everything. And they've been able to leave without anybody even actually know. 
No one, because nobody knew them when they were even here. Do you get where I'm coming from? It's a travesty for people to come, be able to come in here and not get spoke to. I'm not, I don't mean this to be condemning at all, because y'all do an amazing job of loving on people and saying hello to people. But I just feel this thing where I feel like God is like, this thing got to go to a whole nother deal. I want our hearts unified where we're waking up in the morning like, God, show us how to love each other better. And not only that, I want us actually to be encouraging each other. Man, it infuriates me more than anything to think about how easily people will just massage a narrative in the people that is not godly and not uplifting. Do you get where I'm coming from? When we have this beautiful, when we have the word, the text, the living word of God, we have this other thing. And like the word says, it's ours in Christ Jesus. Let's stop reaching, passing it for strife and for gossip and things like that. Let's grab what Christ has for us because it's beautiful. And it may cause tension because it's an it's a, it's a action sport, this love thing. It's physical. It gets real. And it may be hard. And you may not know, like, I don't even know how to address this. I feel crazy disrespected, but I feel like it's going to be a problem if I say something. Stop walking around making people feel like it's going to be a problem if they say something. Especially when we're covered by the blood, blood of Jesus and we're covered in grace. You can be wrong. People come tell me I'm wrong. Yo, Jay, I don't feel how you did that. It's okay to stop and process and go, man, you know what? I did do that. And then lavish each other with grace and mercy and point it. We get to do that. Our righteousness is secured in his work, not our own. The cat's out the bag. He had to die for us. That's how messed up we are. All right? So we get to actually glorify him by submitting to him and following Jesus. There's people in this room right now struggling, people fighting on the verge of divorce right now. There's people who don't know how they're going to eat their next meal. That's real. There's people with their bank accounts turned upside down right now who don't know how they're going to keep their lights on. I have this conversation every single week. Every single week. There's people in here right now busting shots at each other. Real life. It happens. Crazy stuff. Don't sit in the room and not get involved in the crazy stuff. Because the gospel is crazy and it's scandalous what he's did to bring you into his marvelous light. Give it away. Give it away, right? Give it away. 